Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, confronting the crisis. Children's hospitals nationwide saw a 31% increase in admissions for mental health issues among youth last year, and only one-fifth the number of professionals needed to help kids deal with those issues. Also this morning, Senator Sherrod Brown will join us. We'll talk about groundwork being laid for the next farm bill, the countdown to the midterm election, and legislation to address the children's mental health crisis. And in our community and business spotlight this morning, break out the lederhosen and grab your favorite beer stein. Oktoberfest Findlay returns this weekend. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. Of course, you know that today is the first day of autumn, and it feels like it. This morning, have you been outside yet? Uh, It is very cool. There is definitely a uh, crispness in the air. You think, well, fall has arrived, right? Wrong. Actually, uh, it's still summer as of this moment, right now, uh, the autumnal equinox doesn't actually happen until 9.04 this evening. That is when the uh, seasons officially change. So this is the final morning of summer, but it is already feeling very autumn-like on this first day of fall. Tomorrow, the first full day of fall. So there is that. Also, uh, today is chain mail day. And if you are unfamiliar with that term, if you're too young to remember the days of chain mail, uh, ask your parents or your grandparents uh, about that. Remember you used to get the chain mail letters? In the, that was the big thing before the internet. Now things just go viral. It's kind of the 21st century, 21st century equivalent of that. Uh, chain mail date is Business Women's Day, Dear Diary Day, National Centenarians Day. So a big salute to all of the centenarians of the world. National Ice Cream Cone Day. Not National Ice Cream Day, just the cone. <laughs> we're, we're just celebrating the cone today. National White Chocolate Day, National Girls' Night In Day, World Rhino Day, and it is World Car Free Day. I had to actually check that because in my grogginess of the early morning when I first looked at that, I thought it said World Carefree Day. And I was like, oh, isn't that sweet? World Carefree Day. We're going to be very carefree. But no, it's World Car Free Day today. So... Observances and reasons to celebrate today. So among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, it says here there's a new survey uh, by the uh, Gallup people, Gallup polls and, and so on, very reputable organization. They have found that levels of stress, anxiety, sadness, and anger are at a 10-year high among one group of individuals in particular. Care to take a guess? Women, women, and not just in this country, but around the world. The findings are based on a survey of more than 66,000 women in 122 countries. This was done in partnership with the medical technology company uh, Hologic. Hologic? Is that it? Um, 
They have been tracking emotional health for a decade, and we are at the highest levels of stress, anxiety, sadness, and anger among women at any point in this decade of tracking the numbers. The new study found that the gender gap between men and women on the emotional health spectrum is widening. So kind of interesting. The moral of that uh, that I, I I read from that story when I saw it on the uh, Newswire this morning is don't make your wife mad today. That's <laughs> She's going to be uh, more stressed out, more angry than she's been in a decade already. So hog <laughs> on eggshells. <laughs> what I read for that, just be very careful, uh, guys. Get it, get yourself into trouble. This was kind of interesting. I saw this on the uh, on the newswire uh, making headlines this morning. See what you think about this. The National Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB, is now recommending that new cars come with blood alcohol monitoring systems, breathalyzer systems, basically. Uh, what they want within the next several years is for new vehicles not to allow drunk driving. Um, They want basically breathalyzer tests as standard equipment in cars. Now, it's noteworthy that the NTSB cannot make a requirement. They can't require this. They are simply recommending that new cars come equipped with blood alcohol monitoring systems. Um, They want a very sophisticated system. They have proposed a sophisticated system that can also monitor a driver's behavior using in-car cameras and other sensors, which could help reduce impaired driving or drowsy driving, people falling asleep behind the wheel, which is just as dangerous as driving drunk, obviously. If you're drowsy, um, a lot of the effects are similar. Uh, New technology could test a driver's breath, while other possibilities include testing for alcohol content through a person's finger. And I don't know how that would work. But I'm sure that the technology exists, maybe to embed it in the steering wheel or something. I don't know. Uh, the uh, chairman of the NTSB, Jennifer Homendi, 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 uh, anyway, chairman of the NTSB, says we need to make sure that we're doing all we can to save lives. So I don't know. I mean, cars are pretty doggone expensive already, and this is not going to make them any cheaper if it happens. And then there's the whole uh, privacy thing, and I'm just wondering if that's going to fly. I, I don't know. guess we'll see. That's what they want. Um, this is a, a kind of an interesting story uh, for the first thing in the morning. Sleep experts say that it is possible to have too much sleep. But talk about, about how people these days in the United States and elsewhere, uh, are increasingly sleep-deprived, not given, not getting enough sleep, not getting the recommended daily amount of seven to eight hours of sleep. I think we had the story a few weeks ago that they have determined seven hours is the ideal amount of sleep to have on a daily basis, and we're not, uh, and we're not getting that. But these... Uh, Sleep experts, this study that was published in the Journal of the American Geriatric Society, suggested that you can have too much sleep. The dementia risk for participants who slept for more than eight hours a day 
is 69% higher than those who got slightly less sleep. 69%, so not statistically insignificant. The risk was also higher for those who went to who went to bed before 9 p.m. So you know that old saying, early to bed, early to rise? Makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise? Not so much, as it turns out. This study, say the authors, suggests that cognitive function should be monitored in older adults who report prolonged time in bed and advanced sleep timing. I love the way they put that. Advanced sleep timing. Uh, They also said that uh, nightmares were associated with dementia risk. And again, the wording is significant. They say it was associated with dementia risk, not necessarily a cause of dementia. So correlation and causation being two different things, but it's kind of interesting nonetheless. By the way, these uh, researchers uh, are in China and Sweden. Interesting new study. Here is a uh, follow-up to uh, one of the big stories. I think last week we were talking about this. Finally, a pair of individuals have come forward to claim that $1.34 billion Mega Millions jackpot. Uh, You remember back in July when we had that huge Mega Millions jackpot of more than one and a quarter billion dollars? The winners who have elected to remain anonymous, they're in Illinois, and Illinois law allows any lottery winner of a jackpot of a quarter million dollars or more to remain anonymous. So they have wisely, I think, uh, opted to remain anonymous. But it is a pair of individuals. I don't know if it's a couple or just two friends who went in together to buy a bunch of tickets. I'm not sure. But these two individuals have decided to take the lump sum of seven hundred eighty and a half million dollars. And that was the story about a week ago that the time was running out to opt for the lump sum option that if they waited any longer, they would have had to have taken the payout over the course of, what is it, 30 years or whatever. So they have come forward. They've chosen the lump sum. And the Speedway convenience store that sold the winning ticket will receive a cool half million dollars. The story goes on to say that the pair of winners are over the moon. (laughs) Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. Uh, Let's see. And finally, among the first things you need to know to start your Thursday morning, chew on this here today. Most of us find our smartphones in this day and age an absolute necessity for our everyday lives, right? I mean, you can't really get by without a smartphone anymore. But are they worth going into debt for? One in five Americans in a new WalletHub poll, one in five Americans believe that, yes, when it comes to the new iPhone, they're asking about the new iPhone specifically, one in five Americans say, yes, it's worth Blow in your budget on on the new iPhone. Uh, They polled hundreds of Americans as to their loyalty to their cell phone. And when it comes to the iPhone in particular, now mind you, this is a $1,000 plus device. One in five said whatever new 
feature, whatever new bell or whistle added to Apple's latest iPhone is worth going into debt for. That is either some serious brand loyalty or some serious FOMO, fear of missing out, or maybe both. Uh, What's more, even given the rough economic conditions right now, 24% say that they are considering getting the new iPhone when it's unveiled later this year. Considering the desire to show off the latest and greatest phone that they can't afford, it should come as no surprise that one-third of the participants listed their cell phone as their most important possession. Really? Your most important possession? I understand that it's important, but your most important possession? Uh, There are some people for whom the current economic reality has set in. 20% of those in the poll say they don't assume someone who hasn't upgraded their iPhone is struggling financially. (laughs) I don't think if if I encounter someone who doesn't have the latest smartphone, I don't think that they're poor. I just think that they're smart. (laughs) I'm, I'm way past, of course, you know, I'm not in that key demographic, but I'm way past the idea of having to spend a thousand dollars every couple of years get the latest and greatest anyway but i thought that was kind of interesting one in five americans believe that it's actually worth going into debt for the latest and greatest some serious fear of missing out there here you go some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your thursday morning started wfin news i'm matt Demchek. your wtol 11 weather Plenty of sunshine expected today, and it'll be a lot cooler than yesterday. Today's high topping out around 64. Just a few passing clouds tonight and a low of 41. The United Way of Hancock County's Fall Days of Caring was held this week. We stopped by 50 North in Finley as some volunteers for Marathon were helping 50 North volunteer Tim Brueggemann with some landscaping. So many people are coming here to 50 North, and to have all this look nice and interesting, it's a good front door, good first impression, and... um You know, all these gardens are so well done. I'm just glad to help with them. During the fall days of caring this week, volunteers like Janelle tackled a variety of projects like landscaping, painting, and cleaning in Finley and Hancock County. You know, it's just nice to get out and out of the office for a few hours and help out in the community. Janelle says she and her co-workers also help out with the spring days of caring as well. See video on the website. There was a meeting at the Ohio Board of Education that involved hours of heated and emotional debate over a proposal that calls on Ohio schools to reject federal protections for some students. The resolution opposes federal protections for LGBTQ students, specifically those who are transgender. Supporters of Title IX say not expanding federal protection for the transgender community will only support bullying. However, those against providing federal protection to transgender youth question if they could be sued if they don't comply. Failing to adhere to Title IX changes could have major repercussions and would allow the federal government to pull funding for school lunch programs. Onan's Kevin Landers reporting. More than 8 million Ohioans are expected to be eligible to vote in the upcoming midterm election. As of Tuesday of this week, which was National Voter Registration Day, the Buckeye State was just 5,000 registered voters short of 8 million. The registration deadline to be eligible to vote in the fall election is October 11th, and Election Day is on Tuesday, November 8th. The Finley High School homecoming court has been announced. You can see a picture of the court and the names on the website. The homecoming football game will be held on Friday, October 7th at Donnell Stadium. Then the homecoming dance will be held on Saturday, October 8th at the high school. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com.
So last year, children's hospitals nationwide saw a 31% increase in mental health admissions for children and teens. Our kids are in a mental health crisis, and that's not hyperbole. The American Academy of Pediatrics, Children's Hospital Association, and the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry have declared this a national emergency. And joining us is Amy Knight, president of the Children's Hospital Association. Amy, the easiest thing to do would be to point to the pandemic and say this is all because of the lockdowns, the isolation, the remote learning, and so on and so forth. Is it or is this a trajectory that predates all of that? Thank you. And it, it is actually a trajectory that predates that. And that's an important um, piece to acknowledge. So certainly the exclamation point of the pandemic can't be ignored and we can spend time on that. But the reality is, is if you look at the decade prior to um, the pandemic, we saw a, a very significant increase in the prevalence of children's mental health conditions. And one of the most startling statistics that illustrates that is that our suicide rate in the 10 years prior to the pandemic increased nearly 60% for children and youth ages 10 to 24. Um, the reality is, is that we've been watching this and we're watching this and starting to express concern beforehand. Certainly the pandemic derailed that for a little bit and then reinforced right. the, the concern and the fact that the system is broken. Yeah. The reason I bring that up is uh, that we don't want to get into the way of thinking that with the pandemic kind of over and, and things getting back to normal that this is all going to go away this was a problem before the pandemic it is going to be a problem after one of the reasons why you say that this is a national emergency is because of a significant shortcoming of resources to address the problem what mental health services and supports are needed to help kids recover from mental health crises we are looking at investments in the infrastructure and really the mental health system for kids. It was it was weak before, and certainly the impact of the pandemic has, has stretched it even further and has, has weakened it. Um, what that means is actually programs and people. Um, so the workforce is significantly under-resourced in many ways. Um, you know, we often hear the quote around psychiatrists that we have roughly 20% of the number of adolescent and child psychiatrists that we need, a very true fact. But the reality is, is hopefully if um, the signs of mental health issues are caught earlier, a child may never need a psychiatrist. So if we have a robust cadre of, of community-based resources, of school counselors, of licensed therapists that can intervene and treat the early symptoms of mental health, they may never need the more intensive ones. But that doesn't obviate our need also for programs such as intensive outpatient programs or inpatient treatment in the worst case scenario or residential. So um, it's really across the board that we need those investments, but it's people and programs. And what is at stake? What happens if we do nothing, if this issue is not addressed uh, better than what we have to this point? Well, the reality is, is if we're looking at the numbers, so if um, one in six kids today, ages two to eight, has a potential to have a growing mental health condition and we don't treat that, we're really putting ourselves and our country at risk. I mean, if you look at it and compared it to our physical health, we really need to think as children's health is both their physical and their mental health. Um, if we didn't take care of an asthmatic or an obesity child or a child that maybe had diabetes, the outcome is not good for their long-term health. The same is true of mental health. And if we want children to grow up to thrive, which means be happy, healthy, and productive 
uh, members of our military, of our teaching, the next healthcare workers, those that keep us happy and safe every day. We need them to be healthy and, and well in their childhood and into adulthood. Now, I understand uh, that the CHA, the Children's Hospital Association, is supporting legislation to address this issue of shoring up our mental health infrastructure for children. Explain. Yes. So we can actually start even in the state of Ohio, so where you all are. So um, we, since we declared the national emergency with our, um, with our colleagues last year, there's been a lot of attention at the federal level on this issue. So a lot of discussion and a lot of talk. And importantly, a lot of bipartisan action. This isn't a partisan issue at all. Children's health and children's mental health is embraced across the board. So just to highlight a couple of the pieces of legislation that are active in Congress right now, um, Investing in Kids Mental Health Act now was introduced by um, Senator Portman from Ohio and also Senator Casey from Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and it's co-sponsored by Senator Brown um, from Ohio as well. We also have in the Senate the Healthcare Capacity for Pediatric Mental Health Act, and in the House of Representatives, the comprehensive bill known as the Springfield Kids Mental Health Act now. All of these invest in the very important things we talked about, people and programs and reimbursement to make sure that we can grow and sustain a pediatric health system to treat kids' mental health. That was actually going to be uh, one of my questions uh, about whether or not this is being taken seriously if lawmakers, by and large, recognize the scope of the problem. Um I guess, could we say that maybe the silver lining uh, of the pandemic, which has exacerbated this, has also opened people's eyes to just how serious this is? Definitely. I think, you know, to your point, um, whether it's a silver lining or just the reality of the situation, it's become something we're talking about much more openly as a society Mm -hmm. and in communities. You know, I think for many of us, it's been stigmatized for some time. And really, that conversation is coming much more easily And and Congress is having those. Uh, I think the important thing now is that we turn talk into action and make sure that something is done that moves us in the right direction. It's one thing to have empathy and acknowledgement. It's another thing to do do something about it. And we're really pushing for legislatures in many states across the country, um, children's hospitals and their colleagues there also working at the state level to ensure that we're making the necessary investments. Yeah. And and real quickly, uh, you know, we talk about federal legislation, but the state, uh, has a role to play uh, as well with respect to this, right? Absolutely. So, um, you know, many of the um, the initiatives that are funded in local communities are funded by states. That can be education. There are certainly healthcare money that comes from the federal government that states have the ability to allocate and spend. And knowing there in Ohio, um, the children's hospitals are working very closely with the governor and also the state legislature to make sure that um, that children's health is prioritized. Again, Amy Knight is president of the Children's Hospital Association, talking about the uh, crisis of mental health among children and teens. Where do we get more information on this uh, entire issue uh, at large in general, uh, the legislation we spoke about and more? Sure. Um, There is an initiative that CHA started with our colleagues right after we declared a national emergency called Sound the Alarm for Kids. And the website is www.soundthealarmforkids.org. And there's more resources available there as well as on our website at thechildrenshospitals.org. Amy, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. 
So in our cover story this morning, we referenced the Investing in Kids Mental Health Now Act, a piece of legislation to address the children's mental health crisis, sponsored by Senator Rob Portman and co-sponsored by Senator Sherrod Brown. Well, earlier this morning, we spoke with Senator Brown about that legislation. We also talked about the upcoming midterm elections, where the race is now set, the primaries are over, and everything, the stage is set for the midterm terms. Uh, There is a a growing belief among analysts that Democrats could overperform in the midterms. But we started our conversation with the senator talking about the groundwork being laid for the 2023 Farm Bill. The last time we spoke, uh, we mentioned this, that you have uh, been spending the past uh, several weeks kind of laying the groundwork for a new farm bill. As most folks know, 2023 is the year for the uh, next farm bill, big piece of legislation. And we also know that Congress right now is not necessarily um, in, in a good state right now to, uh, to pass major legislation. Are you confident that you can get the, the new farm bill uh, passed on time? I mean, it's happened before where it's had to be delayed. Yeah, I, I am confident that we'll move in the farm bill, partly because I've seen the last year Congress has passed the Rescue Act, we passed the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill, we passed Bipartisan Chips Act. Um, we've done a number of, passed a number of issues that some bipartisan, some not, but that have moved the country forward, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. But I, I'm especially confident beginning next year, that's the five-year cycle, if you will, that we will pass the farm bill because it's, I've been on that committee, um, I'm the first Ohio Center in that committee in 60 years, uh, and I, I have seen up close how we work together, Republicans and Democrats. That bill will come out of our committee close to unanimously. Um, it will. Um, there'll be input from all kinds of farm groups and consumer groups and citizens and food food bank advocates and all that. And and it's really it's 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 really how Congress can work and should work. And that's why next year I will. I've done a couple of these, but I will do what I've done every five years and go around the state in all regions of the state meeting with far- round tables of farmers and for an hour and a half open to the public 15 farmers or so will sit around a table with me and tell me what they need and I'm doing that I've done that for years now and it always helps to lead to a better bipartisan farm bill and as you speak with farmers and ag interests what are they saying are uh, should be the uh, priorities for the next farm bill well, this year it's about cost, input costs. For usually, as this year, a little more acute fertilizer costs, uh, diesel fuel costs. Generally, mm-hmm. uh, they recognize that inflation is a worldwide problem. In fact, inflation's worse in many European, most European countries than it is here. It doesn't that doesn't make it any easier for any of us to deal with. But um, they they and they're they're increasingly tuned into what do we do about climate change. And one of the first things we did, and this was farmers in Northwest Ohio. Ohio came to me about this, and and especially in in, in Hancock County and the the, the listening area for WFIN uh, was um, to to hear them suggest something called filter strips, where farmers were paid some money to not plant close to the creeks leading into the Blanchard, which led into the Maumee, mm-hmm. and we know what happened with algae blooms in the western basin of Lake Erie. So right. all of those issues come to the fore, and I talk them through and hear from farmers and. 
try to figure out the best way to address those needs. Earlier, we were talking, changing directions here. Earlier, uh, we were talking about children's mental health and the uh, cover story on the program this morning. And you are a co-sponsor of the uh, piece of legislation that we mentioned, the Investing in Kids Mental Health Now Act. Um, what is the status on this? There really hasn't been a whole lot of movement since this was uh, introduced in committee, uh, along with a number of other bills, one of uh, many bills addressing uh, kids' mental health. Any chance for action on this uh, measure in this Congress? Uh, yes, I'm hopeful that uh, the co-sponsorship, Senator Casey is the lead, a Democrat from Pennsylvania, my colleague and friend, Senator Portman, Republican from Ohio, uh, teaming up with all of us. And uh, all three of us, Casey, Portman, and I are on the finance committee that writes these bills. Um, Ohio is a leader in you know, addressing kids' mental health because we have such good children's hospitals and we have community advocates and community organizations that address it. We know mental health for kids especially got worse during the pandemic because our attention on sort of was on pandemic for on all health issues and we didn't do enough about opioid addiction as a society and as a Congress didn't do enough about children's mental health so I think the focus is is intense and we we need to move on these issues and the public I think is asking us to and uh, one final uh, question, I want to uh, get your thoughts. Uh, all of the midterm uh, races are now set. The primaries are over. There is a, a growing belief by a number of analysts that the Democrats have a really good chance to hold the Senate, if not the House as well. Are you happy with where your party is heading into the midterms? I think that um, people are a bit surprised because in the off year, two years after a president's elected, the right. party, the other party takes a bath. Republicans right. did in 2018 after 2016. Um, but I think that we've accomplished a lot. We've done the bipartisan infrastructure bill. We've done we've done uh, modest but workable gun safety bipartisan. We've done the Inflation Reduction Act. We did the child tax credit. Uh, we did the Chips Act, which is going to help create huge numbers of jobs in Ohio. So we've delivered in the voters just want to know that so i'm i'm hopeful i think tim ryan contrasted with jd vance and and i think that nan whaley and the governor candidate in ohio i think they are both good candidates and i think voters are thinking who's not so much republican democrat or moderate liberal conservative they're thinking who's on my side and i think that um these candidates are and i see marcy captor in a challenge i think mm -hmm. these candidates have fought for ohioans for a lot of years we will leave it there. Again, uh, Senator Sherrod Brown with us this morning. Thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate Chris, it. Chris, thank you so much. 20 years of good mornings on WFIN. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. They, they say it's five o'clock somewhere. It's where whatever time it is, five o'clock somewhere. Uh, parts of Interstate 75 in Tampa, Florida, were uh, closed Wednesday morning, yesterday morning, after a semi crashed and spilled its full load of Coors Light all over the southbound lanes. <laughs> um, it's beer o'clock. A total of three tractor trailers were involved in the chain reaction accident. 
Uh, fortunately, the pileup resulted in only minor injuries, but uh, the silver cans of beer were <laughs> silver bullets all over the highway. Uh, the crash around uh, 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, 30 miles north of Tampa, according to the Florida Highway Patrol. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Speaking of uh, weird things being uh, spilled on the highway, this, this story uh, gave me a chuckle. Traffic snarled in Easton, Easton Pennsylvania. When a, a big rig dumped a whole bunch of white powder all over the highway. Now, I don't know what you think when you there's a white powder all over the highway. Um, the rig was traveling up a super steep hill. The contents were a little too heavy to make the trek. And it turns out the truck driver had not properly secured his load, which resulted in nine pallets of flour. About 50 big bags tumbling onto the street. <laughs> White powder all over the road. The pileup forced a road closure so that police could clean up the confectionery chaos. No one injured. No word on what consequences the driver faces. But that had to have been a real mess. I mean, you think about that. I mean, the cans of beer, that's one thing. I mean, you can, you know sweep those up or wipe those up but uh the flower what a mess that would have made or lehigh valley uh pennsylvania some of the other uh, items among today's odd and unusual news today's broken news headlines police you talk about an unusual theft this is a little unusual police are asking for help in catching the uh the thieves who broke into a Virginia business and stole a bunch of rare comic books worth tens of thousands of dollars. Jeff Weaver, owner of Victory Comics, um, said the store was just starting to get back to normal post-COVID. Said the thieves smashed into the store, smashed the store window, and went directly for the showcase containing the most valuable items. So they knew what they were looking for. They didn't touch the register. They didn't mess with any of the less valuable collectibles. They knew exactly what they were going for. He is offering a $5,000 reward for information and the return of the items, not only because of their monetary value, but because of their sentimental value. Uh, there's some some real life villains. Call on call on Batman to investigate there. That's crazy. Uh, again, we've had uh, odd thefts in the past, but that is definitely among the most unusual. Uh, here is today's dumb criminal of the day, and this is generally a good piece of advice if you're trying to impress a girl on your first date don't point at the cops and say watch this <laughs> 23 year old taylor beverly of tampa florida pleaded guilty to a felony charge for engaging police on a high-speed chase last year long story short police say he blew through a red light in front of a police cruiser driving well over 100 miles an hour. And this was all on his motorcycle, by the way, with his date riding in the back, riding behind him. 
<laughs> his date was on the bike with him. Uh, apparently, he did it, he explained, to score points with his lady friend because it was their first date. <laughs> he wanted to impress her. Uh, police say the tactic didn't work. Uh, she was actually screaming at him to stop, <laughs> but he refused. Mr. Beverly eventually bagged at an intersection and confessed that he was just trying to show off. <laughs> uh, in addition to blowing his first date and scoring two months in prison for his trouble, his license has been revoked for a year and he has to pay $700 in fines. <laughs> not, what, you're not impressed? You're not impressed? Can't imagine why she wasn't impressed. <laughs> and finally, in the broken news this morning, uh, this is, I, I don't know, this just brought a smile to my face. I uh, happened back on August 27th. A Nebraska man woke up on his 60th birthday with a single goal to raft the mighty Missouri River in a giant pumpkin. <laughs> to, to raft the Missouri River in a giant pumpkin. Um, he wanted to set the Guinness World Record uh, for the longest raft down a river uh, in a pumpkin. Uh, Dwayne Hansen is a self-proclaimed pumpkin enthusiast who made it 41 miles down the river in an 846-pound pumpkin, which he christened the SS Bertha. Departing from Bellevue in his homemade pumpkin boat, he paddled for 12 hours, breaking the world record. He now holds the world record. He broke the old record of 25 miles, shattered the old record. He went 41 miles. The old old record was 25 miles, uh, set back in 2016. So I guess he got his wish for his birthday. But why? Why? I mean, do you brag about that to your friends? Hey, I hold the world's record for the longest distance uh, paddled in a giant pumpkin. Is that, do you use that to impress the ladies? I, I don't know. I suppose it might impress the, the ladies more than uh, going on a police chase at 100 miles an hour on a motorcycle, I guess. So there is that. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Another major brand just announced is halting all social media advertising. The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. So it's the uh, first official day of autumn uh, today. Fall arrives at, uh, what did we say earlier, 9.04 p.m., I think so. 
Uh, the waning hours of summer, I guess, uh, officially here this morning. Although for most of us, uh, the summer season really ended at Labor Day. And so this is the time when you kind of look back, you know, <laughs> that that typical fall question that school students get a lot of times. What did you do with your summer vacation? Do you go to the, the same vacation spot, go to the same beach, the same destination every summer without even really considering perhaps that it is time to try out some new travel hotspots? It turns out that most Americans do tend to stick to their old habits when it comes to traveling. A recent survey finds that three out of four people are stuck in their ways and always go on vacation to the same place or even the same kinds of places. Maybe it's not the same place, but it's always the same type of beach vacation. It's the same routine, maybe with a different environment. Um, perhaps you could, uh, consider West Virginia. Uh, let me get back to that here. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. New survey, 2000 adults probing their willingness to step outside of the vacation comfort zone finds that people in the Northeast are the least likely to stray from their favorite kinds of vacation destinations. Uh, 68% of those who have revisited a vacation spot, reveal that they prefer to incorporate new experiences and sites at those comfortable destinations. They go to the same spot, but 55% say that they do new things every time they go. All right. Some are willing to change up their entire vacation routine. 78% say that they are likely to take a chance on visiting an entirely new destination. And I can understand, you know, sometimes that can be scary. You only have so many days on vacation, so if you hit a dud, you know, that time is lost. So there is something to be said for the familiar and the comfortable. But uh, 78% say they take a chance uh, on visiting an entirely new destination. Nearly three in four agree that those who aren't willing to try somewhere new are missing out. 73% say those not willing to try something new are missing out since vacations 74 percent say are a chance to do things outside their comfort zone and that leads us back the most unanticipated i guess or unique idea for a vacation when asked is that west virginia would be the most out of the box thinking when it comes to and i was actually a bit surprised by that because West Virginia, a lovely state. Now, that being said, <laughs> generally when we've visited West Virginia, it's been driving through on the way to someplace else. But <laughs> the times that we uh, have stopped and visited West Virginia, can be very uh, it's a very beautiful state. Um, so anyway, just kind of uh, interesting. Something to think about now that uh, vacation season is over and you start reflecting on how you spent your summer vacation and maybe thinking ahead to a fall trip or even a winter getaway or what you're going to do next year. Maybe think a little bit out of the box. So just plant that seed there. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. Well, it is the weekend that uh, we've all been waiting for uh, for, for weeks. Uh, it is Oktoberfest uh, coming up uh, 
Sarah Sisser. It's kind of the Sarah and Sarah show. Sarah Sisser and Sarah Foltz are uh, with us in the Hancock Historical Museum and Finley Brewing Company, respectively. Uh, Sarah Sisser, let me start with you. Um, this has become, as we've talked about before, one of the biggest events, single day events in Finley. Yes, it has. We're really proud of that. This is certainly our largest uh, fundraiser at the Hancock Historical Museum annually. And it has become one of the largest uh, single day events in Hancock County in our area. And um, it's wonderful that the community supported it for now. This is the eighth annual Oktoberfest Finley, even through uh, some rocky years there with COVID. We had some great community support and sponsorship. And uh, Sarah Foltz, how cool is it to be a part uh, of this? I mean, it's right up your alley, the Finley Brewing Company. Oh, my gosh. It's our favorite event to be part of. And, you know, there's so much more than just beer. But when you think of a German Heritage Festival, you do want to try some German beers, right? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you have the official uh, brew for? Uh, Finley Brewing Company. Yeah. yeah, we do. Our Marzen is uh, the official beer of Oktoberfest Finley. Okay, so tell us about that that brew. What? Yeah. Can you tell us yeah. about it? Here? So a Marzen beer, uh, also, it's just kind of known, you, you brew it in March. So it's a lager, it sits, we brew it in March traditionally, and then okay. it is now officially on tap at Finley Brewing Company, and then we'll have plenty of it uh, to share at the festival on Saturday. Very cool. So give us the uh, lowdown uh, on everything that's going to be happening, because... Uh, uh, there's just a whole host there, of there is events. there's a lot going on on Saturday for Things, everyone absolutely and we're again we're proud of that as well it is a family friendly event there's something for all ages there's something for all tastes as well um, we kick things off downtown at two o'clock and we are on Main Street we have three full city blocks once again so we run from Hardin Street uh, to Main Cross and we have two stages uh, in the festival area so at the north end we have our main stage with some live music throughout the evening. If you're into polka music, we have really some of the the best known names in the business. We have Fred Zewich and his International Sound Machine. Uh, we'll start things off at two, and they go until six. Fred's been with us for several years. He's a member of the International Polka Hall of Fame, and you'll see some great traditional dancing too. Those that are able to do that, uh, you'll see some great dancing throughout the day. Um, at six thirty, we have Dwayne Malinowski taking the stage, and he'll go until ten thirty when the event ends. Another great polka musician from the Toledo area. We have our children's area that goes from 2 to 7 o'clock in Dorney Plaza, and we have Freudenberg to thank for sponsoring that over the last few years. We have about 10 nonprofit organizations and agencies throughout the community that help to uh, do activities for kids in that area. Some wonderful food vendors throughout the festival grounds, some from um, out of town and some more local. Of course, Psalms Market from Cary is our official bratwurst of Oktoberfest Finley, and they'll have some great offerings at the Brody Wagon that they bring down. Um, Tons of wonderful beer to choose from. Thanks to Sarah Foltz for sort of curating all of those selections for us and and the assistance of Finley Brewing Company throughout the entire planning of this event. So microbreweries from all throughout Northwest Ohio and some great distributors as well, bringing some German import and domestic options. And then our contest stage at the south end of the grounds where you can partake in some of those contests or just watch if that's more of your vibe. <laughs> contests such as? Well, we have, of course, the Stein holding competition, which, um, you know, that is uh, a bigger deal than you might think. There is actually a national Stein holding competition and an international Stein holding competition. Wow. So okay. you can try your hands at that. Uh, we have a beer team relay event as well. And um, a bratwurst eating competition with some of Tom's of course. great bratwurst. Of so. course. Now, the Steinton uh, holding uh, competition has, uh, to the best of your knowledge, has anyone ever gone pro from here? <laughs> I mean, I don't know that we have any okay. um, 
farm-raised sort of professionals I that see. have emerged out of our festival. There's always the possibility, though. There's a possibility. There's... I think last year's winner, I was just looking up these stats, uh, was a little over five and a half minutes. So it doesn't sound like too long, but if you try to hold a full, I think it's like a 64-ounce stein at arm's length away. I'm uh, having flashbacks to like junior high when the <laughs> teacher would punish us by having to hold something like, heavy yeah, out, exactly. uh, you know, at full arm's length for it's a while. It's sort of so. like that, and, and a crowd of 6,000 people are watching you. So. <laughs> it's going to be an awful lot of fun, as you mentioned, for everyone. It's uh, a ton of fun, and it's a great so. fundraiser for the museum. The museum's a nonprofit, uh, and we're privately funded. So events like this, fundraisers like this, and the generosity of our members and donors is really what helps us to keep the doors open. Um, We have some great sponsorship for this event, and Premier Bank has been our signature sponsor for the last several years. They're a wonderful community partner to work with. Finley Brewing Company, not only a monetary sponsor, but just, again, helping us to walk through this event and plan it throughout the year. Yeah. Um, Ohio Logistics, Beer Co., AMRI, and then a whole slew of in-kind sponsors as well as 200 volunteers that help us to pull off this single day event so terrific stuff and uh, uh sarah fultz as uh, sarah Cicero was just mentioning uh we talked about the signature beer but uh, she referred to it as beards plural so more than just the one absolutely we we made it a goal to support our local breweries within northwest ohio so you'll see a total of 10 microbreweries uh all within a 30 to 45 minute drive from here too so to be able to taste some of their beers and then in the future hopefully go visit and support some of our yeah, local one craft. of the cool thing about uh, microbreweries is the cooperative nature absolutely uh, of it. yeah so my favorite uh, part of the industry yeah uh so the details are this saturday right this saturday 2 to ten thirty. admission is five dollars if you're over 21, um, $3 under 21 and free for children and strollers. Again, very much family friendly. Bring the whole family. And you can get more information, detailed schedule, list of food vendors and microbreweries at OctoberfestFinley.com. We've got a link up at our webpage for all of that as well. Sarah and Sarah, thanks very much for dropping by. Thanks so much, Chris. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor. And that will finish up our podcast for today. And thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, for more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show, check out our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. You can also connect with us on social media. Email us if there's something you want to share directly. You can also sign up for our daily email newsletter and more. Again, it's all at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, we'll preview all of the area high school football action as we kick off the second half of the regular season. We have another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen and lots more. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.